Happy Halloween! <laughs> Halloween edition. I'm Liz Shannon Miller at Lizard on the Twitters. And I'm Ben Travers, Ben T. Travers on the Twitters. That was a pretty good, like, Count Dracula laugh. That yeah, was, I don't know. That was not bad. I came straight from my gut. I feel yeah. like I was possessed. By, by the spirit of, I, I actually, it was more like uh, the Count on Sesame Street. That's fine. That's better for me. I'm, I don't do good with scary things, so anything that reflects Halloween but isn't too frightening is, is best for, for my delicate sensibilities what a natural and perfect segue to our topic today ben oh and yet you still called it out like a pro yep i i I like to i like to make people i like i like to make the people aware of the art that goes into your segues we're a very meta podcast we are we are very meta in that regard um but the yeah today we're gathering to because it's halloween as of the posting of this episode uh we are recording a couple of days in advance um, so right now, Ben is living the American horror story that is uh, the World Series. <laughs> go Cubs. Um, Gotta have faith. Go Cubs, go. Okay. Could all be over by the time you guys are listening to this. Ben's doing great. He's totally, <sighs> totally chill, totally chill, and only only occasionally wearing the same shirt every day. Only occasionally, meaning but- only on game days. <laughs> But the most important thing is that uh, it's Halloween, oh. and you're, it's because it's a Monday. You probably are staying in tonight. You're probably, you know, you, pro- you don't probably want to go out. Um, I hope you guys are going out. Yeah. I hope the kids are going out, too. I hope the kids, I know everybody's got their own, like, timing set up for their neighborhood Halloweens and when the kids go door to door, and there's always these special things. And safety is important. I don't want to frown upon safety. But I think you sh- you got to do it on Halloween. You shouldn't do it on the weekend before or the weekend after. As sometimes it comes well, up. Well, trick like, or treating shouldn't happen the weekend before. Right. Do it. Do it on Halloween night. But the point is, is that if you do decide to stay home because you, it's a school night and you have to get up for work tomorrow, um, there's stuff you might want to watch to kind of put you in the mood, but without actually scaring you. Because again, you have school or work in the morning and you have to get up gotta theoretically get for that. Gotta get some sleep. So we want to talk about some stuff that's going to put you in the spooky. That's that. Put Puts us in certainly a spooky mindset, but doesn't necessarily like leave us unable to, you know, leave it behind. Or maybe I don't know. It, it does haunt you, but not in a you know can't sleep sort of way. Just in a I don't know what I'm doing with my life, and it's ex- making me have a lot of existential questions about the nature of you know existence. Yeah, I like to think of it as TV scenes, moments, etc., segments even um, that make you want to curl up into a ball and just sleep forever. So you will go to sleep, sleep that the night, eternal sleep. but you'll sleep because you're just so damn sad. You're just, ah, there's nothing else to do in this world. I will seek refuge under my covers where there is just darkness and silence and, and slumber. All right. So on that note, um, Ben, you want to kick us off? You want to tee things off for us? I thought I should, I thought I should start with an obvious one. Just you know, get it out of the way. And, and you all know it's coming. I mean, this, the premise of this alone, which we must give credit to our loyal listener and, and devout co-worker, Steve Green. Um, for me, it's, it's all about the leftovers. So It is always all about the leftovers. As, as, as is the case, as is my MO. Um, and if I'm going to pick a scene off the bat, just, you know, just get things kicked off, set the tone. Right. I'm going to go with when Nora finds her children sitting at the dining room table in the season one finale. You mean the the real doll? 
only to discover ah. that they are the dolls and not her children. That the GR has played a horrible, God, I even, I'm hesitant to call it a prank as I am a prankster, um, just a, a wicked trick and, and certainly not a treat uh, to poor Nora. Poor Nora. And her face, her expression, is just the epitome of pain and suffering and everything you want to avoid in life. Um, so, yeah, I'd say when I, when I saw that happen, when this big reveal occurred of what the GR had been planning all season, oh, my God, that was devastating. That was just a, a truly uncomfortable, uneasy, unsettling moment. Like, I, I, it shakes me to my core. You know— I would agree emotionally that was a devastating, haunting moment. But I do recall at the time feeling a little let down by the fact that that was, that was what the GR had been building to all that time. You are an insane human being. Just How could you be let down. down by that? That is one of the most like Machiavellian plot twists and, and just wretched executions of all time. I mean, that, that's, no, the execution is amazing. I'm not questioning We are that. a living reminder. <laughs> Look what they did. They put a... a a living dead reminder inside their kitchen. They they positioned all the bodies. They'd stolen the pictures and then threw them in. The, I mean, it was a brilliant, <coughs> brilliant device to make people not forget. Huh. I mean, I, I'm just saying. I was. I, I feel like I was expecting more, more direct conflict from it. That's not what the GR does. I feel like you don't understand the guilty remnant, Liz. They're not about direct conflict. Remember, they walk right to the line. They don't cross it. They stand on the sidewalk. They mm-hmm. hold up the signs. They passively resist. They are there to remind. They are not there to engage. Hmm. 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 Because I feel like that's still engaging. It's just kind of, I don't know. This yeah, it's a- passive engagement. That's what we're talking about. They don't cross the line, Liz. They don't cross the line. It was a brilliant move. Okay. Mentally devastating. All right. Let's move on from the leftovers. All right, I've got so I mean another another show that clearly inspired the topic for this podcast is Black Mirror, um, which is a weird one. It, it's it, Black Mirror is such a complicated show to discuss in part because of its anthology structure, which means that like there are episodes that end in incredibly devastating emotional ways, and then there are episodes that actually almost have a happy ending and sometimes an emotionally cathartic ending at the very least. Um, and generally usually revolving around uh, them, you know, basically something awful happens to somebody and then you find out that that person was awful. And so it's okay that that awful thing happened to them. But the show does have a real way of getting under your skin and making you reconsider, like, just everything. Um, And I'm trying to, without talking about too much about spoilers, for example, uh, but without spoilers, I will say that Nosedive, uh, which is the Bryce Dallas Howard uh, entry, Bryce Dallas Howard starring um, episode and is directed by, shoot, the uh, director of Atonement, whose name I'm blanking on. Oh, that's the Joe Wright one? Yeah. So this one was written by Rashida? This is the one written by Rashida Jones and Mike Schur and directed by Joe Wright. And it's a pretty brutal takedown of, not takedown, but a pretty brutal examination of just kind of like the way, you know, the, that moment when you log on to Facebook and you're like, I posted something really funny and nobody liked it and what is going on there? And that kind of like cheap rush you get from, you know, having your status liked or having somebody somebody retweet you. You know, sometimes, sometimes there's real genuine emotion that comes with these moments, like that time The Rock tweeted at me, which was is still a... Those times, Liz. 
plural. Times. Times he tweeted at you. There's, there, it happened numerous times. And every time it was special and beautiful. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I hope so. Um, but, I mean, that, that was a real emotion. But normally social media is kind of a thing that we kind of let pervade our pervade our sense of self-worth to the degree that can be uncomfortable. And uh, I had a friend point out uh, that, you know, I think his, his his review of this episode was the Meow Meow Beans episode of Community was shorter, um, which is a fair critique. <laughs> but there's some really good stuff in it. But it also, like, it, like, like weeks later, it will have you thinking about the way you approach uh, approach your favorite services. Now, I wanted to ask you about this because, I mean, obviously, Black Mirror is such a prominent example, and the timing of it being released a week before Halloween, basically, a little over a week before Halloween, is not a coincidence on Netflix's part. But in terms of the reaction to it, most of the stuff I saw out there was positive. Your review was very positive of it. Um, people seem to be responding fairly well to the new season, except when I'm out in the world. So, like, the critics that I've read seem to respond fairly well. When I'm out in the world and I was talking to people over the last, you know, five or six days, um, including a couple of prominent figures uh, just out in the entertainment industry, they seem to be disappointed by it. They seem a little upset that the the attitude of it that they they feel is the black mirror-ness of the series was reduced too much by allowing these new voices in, by allowing, you know, <coughs> American writers and American directors or just, uh, you know, I don't want to use the term star fucking, but some that term has been thrown around a little bit in terms of fitting people into the series that maybe didn't belong before. I don't know. I was just curious of kind of what your what your reaction has been, uh, what you've seen out there, and if this holds any weight. I still haven't watched it. I am, a, again, a scaredy cat. It makes me nervous, but I keep hearing it. It just keeps coming back to me, and I was surprised because it seemed like everybody was pretty positive. I I mean I feel like there's definitely critiques to be had about it. I actually I'm I'm surprised I hadn't heard about people thinking that the you know the voice has been diluted because I think it's 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 a little weird to get used to the fact I mean especially if you were such a fan of the original six episodes um, which are so British mm-hmm. and there is a there is less of a British element for one thing it wasn't even shot in Britain they shot right. it largely in South Africa so the locations are very different because of that but. In the terms of star fucking, I mean, the only thing I can think of, Nosedive is probably tonally the most distinct and different from what's come before in terms of Black Mirror. But I think that's honestly to its benefit. Because I think one of the, because the critique, the most common critique I ever heard about Black Mirror in its first two seasons was, you know, the fact that it was kind of, you know, basically the kind of general approach to the show is pretty predictable. Like, oh, is technology bad for us, et cetera. Mm-hmm. In fact, actually, um, there, there was this really funny uh, critique of the really funny show, uh, not show, there's this really funny piece written by uh, Mallory, uh, Mallory Ortberg for the, for, the po- that, for the Toast. I can't talk today, geez. Um, but the Toast, great, sadly deceased uh, website, but still, you know, archives are up. And this piece that Mallory wrote was just basically like uh, reject, uh, you know, upcoming Black Mirror storylines. Mm-hmm. And one of them is just, what if phones but too much? <laughs> which, <laughs> that's like the entire log line, which is hilarious. And apparently Charlie Brooker, the creator of the show, fa- saw it and put a reference to it in season three. Oh, great. Yeah, which is wonderful. That's pretty great. Because what if phones but too much is kind of the perfect wrap up of the series. But... I, I, yeah, I, I strongly disagree with anyone. Like, 
they pushed themselves and they tried new things and I th- and they brought in new voices and it's exactly what a show should be doing in order to evolve. Yeah, it's tough too. I mean, it's it's that kind of debate where they're opening this up. There's going to be more episodes. They've got a guaranteed number by Netflix. How many are they putting out? There, there's six up. There's going to be another six in basically what we're going to call season four. Right. And that's, that's 2017. Pretty, yeah, we just know we just know 2017, right? We, we just know 2017, like and we know that Jodie Foster is directing right. an episode starring Rosemary DeWitt. Right, which is crazy exciting, unless anyone is upset about the Americanization of it again. But um, there is that fine line between when you get that bigger opportunity, when maybe you have a little bit more money or you have uh, the opportunity to bring in new voices and you want to expand your universe, you want to make it bigger and, and tell broader stories or different stories than what it was before to you know broaden that brand and then still holding true to like the core of what you started with. There's a fine line there and it sounds like maybe just a couple of people thought it went over to the wrong side. But again, like a lot of the critics I've read, including our own Liz here, who I obviously trust completely, um, hmm. Love it. So I'm, I'm, I'm still excited to see it. I'm just also scared, and scared is overwhelming excitement. I mean, I, I feel like the thing with 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 Black Mirror, especially, like, I feel like the critique is always going to be very un, like uneven because the episodes in general. I'm going to say, it, like, not all of them are as good as each uh, as the others. Like, yeah, it, there's, it's tough there's with anthology series it, like that. It's with an anthology series, episodic it, anthologies. I yeah, guess. it's tough with that. It's t- tough to like review it in full because. Really, you want to do it episode by episode, and you know it is not hard for me to rank my my least favorite to least favorite uh, episodes least of the season. Most. Yeah, yep. least to most. Yeah, least to most. So, it actually like I actually got asked to do it recently by my brother, and I was like, it took me two minutes. Um, well, what's your top? Uh, my favorite episode is basically a tie between Hated in the Nation, Hated in the Nation, and San Junipero from season three. Ties. Shh. Ties. I mean, basically, come on, Liz. Deathmatch. Well, so here, let me, let me, let me give you my rationale, right. and you can, you can judge from there. Mm-hmm. Um, San Junipero is the episode that made me ball and like emotionally really got me, and I think is the one that stuck with me the longest. Um, but hated, in Na- hated in the nation is arguably a just like a really well executed. Um, it's a really well executed procedural um, that. As I, I think I've already said it to you before, but I'll say it again to our lovely listeners. Um, it made me actively, irrationally angry at the X-Files reboot all over again. Because <laughs> if the X-Files reboot had just done that, it would have been good. Like, if I could have watched Mulder and Scully in that, event, in that solving that mystery, I would have been so happy. Like, I mean, I, instead I got Kelly McDonald, who's amazing, so it's not like a huge complaint. I'm not complaining that I watched this episode of Black Mirror. I'm just saying that was a near-perfect X-Files episode masquerading as an episode of Black Mirror. And see, that's what we've gone off on before as well, in which we want different voices and new voices to tell X-Files stories because we and would love to see them. That's actually, like, I was literally going to bring this up when you were talking about just a couple of minutes ago. Like, we've seen what happens when you don't try to grow your talent base and you don't try to evolve beyond your initial foundation. Yeah. And so, I mean, you could argue that maybe Black Mirror is still early enough where it's okay. It's only done the six episodes before this. Um, so it, it could maybe sustain that for a little bit longer, whereas X-Files has been doing it for 10 years and they need a little bit of a, of a fresh voice. But, um, but no, I mean, there's those are two good choices, Liz, but I don't think based on your rationale, I can tell which one you like better. I don't know. I mean, you're, you got to put one at the number one slot on the list. You're going to write it down. I think, did we, do we have an article up? No. 
Article's coming. Article's, article's coming. So you're going to do that article. Someday. What's it going to be at I, number one? I don't know. Oh, my God. Liz, she can't decide. I know. I can't. Liz and her ties. I know. Just like when you choose two best things or next things. or. Oh, I do that. Yeah, I love doing that. I know. You do it great. Okay. Um, um, all right. So, well, yeah, I can give you can, another example. Give we've, me another example. I did want to talk about Black Mirror for a while because, you know, obviously yeah. it's the most relevant example that we've got here. But because of Black Mirror, in terms of, you know, episodes, like just – the whole thing feels that way. Like the the most of Black Mirror episodes feel like the general topic we're talking about, just unsettling uh, internal feelings. And I gotta say, I'm sorry to bring it up again, but the leftovers huh. with the Garveys at their best, episode nine, that flashback episode, season one episode. Nine. Yeah, sorry, season one episode nine. That flashback episode is just so unsettling the entire time because you know what's going to happen to them and they have no idea and you have to sit there and watch it unfold. And it is so, I mean, it's another one that's very painful, but because it completely knocks you off your kilter, there's a big cliffhanger on the episode before, you're expecting something else when you're coming into it. Because of that kind of construction of the season overall and then just the entirety of the episode and how effective it is at presenting these characters before what happened just seeing just seeing Jill's smiling face holding hands with her brother that's enough yeah. it's so creepy and unsettling i feel like you know most of, watching that episode i remember very distinctly uh, hbo sent sent out the i think they sent out the screener for it but very clearly said you know but didn't send any photos which was notable at the time because you know they were usually sending both yeah. and then we watched the screener and i was like oh this is why they sent no photos because that any photo from that episode would be a huge spoiler, except for yeah. maybe a photo of Kevin looking sad. Right. Yeah, I think they may have sent out one that was like Kevin jogging, and it's like, okay, well, Kevin always jogs, that's fine. But yeah, yeah, like the 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 main photo that I remember for that that always seems to be identified with the episode is him and Lori, like yeah, just in the kitchen hugging each other, like close, and they're and it's like that doesn't what that doesn't fit. But uh, I think I think with that episode. What's interesting is for me, for me, most of it actually wasn't that disturbing. No, but let me let me, let me get. I I feel like I I kind of got lost in the moment by moment elements of it. Like I was just like, you know, le- you know, because you learn so much from that episode too. Like it gives you so much backstory and so, so much insight into all into who, who all these characters are, um, and so I was kind of more in the I was in the midst of it. I was processing it. And actually. But I do remember so distinctly. It's it is the shot where Jill and Jill and uh, her brother are, are holding hands and smiling. That's when it got me. It's like it wasn't like a overall like thing, but it was like more like a instead of like a low an ongoing like unease. I basically just got stabbed in the gut. And see, I feel like that's the and this is I mean both of these interpretations are obviously valid in in their own ways, but I feel like that mm-hmm. kind of. The element of being sucked into it, the idea of being in the moment with every scene as you go through it and and learning so much and being excited to learn so much, that pervading worldview that this is gone, this has disappeared, never seemed to leave for me. So it was always in, it was always topmost in my head, even as I was engaging with the stuff that was so exciting to learn, especially the kicker in the episode, which I'm not going to get into now, but um, but yeah, like it, it, that punch in the gut probably hit you a lot harder than it hit me. But the whole thing felt like a slow kind of just turning your intestines around while you're watching yeah. it. So, so uh, however, great episode how, to how, me. however you may have ended up viewing it, like that, your experience, yeah, it was tough. <laughs> so we brought up the X Files earlier, and I feel like it's worth mentioning that you know, 
especially in the last six months or so, I've spent, you know, we've spent a fair amount of time ragging on the latest, the new season um, and how it disappointed us dramatically in comparison to the old series. But let's take a minute to remember just how creepy some of the old series episodes could be because God damn, like there's some great, there's some great spooks in that, in, in that show. Um, like there's one episode, uh, Trevor, I believe it was called. Um, I'm going to look that up to be sure. But Trevor, like, was an episode I never gave much thought to. Um, you know, but I recently rewatched it, and it has a fantastic... Uh, uh, it might not be it. Uh, um, oh, yes, he has the ability... Uncan- this, this, it's a got bad a guy who has the uncanny ability to pass through solid conductive materials. And there's some great scares and uh, gore shots that come out as a result of that. Um, and... Uh, there's that episode. There's Home, of course, which is the legendary fourth season episode that was so scary and disturbing that they couldn't air it more than once. Yeah. Um, the, one of my favorite like psychological horror episodes is the episode Pusher from season three, which uh, has you know one of the best uh, serial killer showdowns you could ever hope for at the very end, and it gets you. It's a great moment. Uh, it's a great scene, and the whole episode does such a nice job building up to it. Yeah, there's there's a very eerie element that goes along with watching a lot of those episodes, and you could you could feel it sometimes, like from the very beginning, at least by like the post credits attitude that you, that you know Mulder and Scully had when they were getting ready for this case or discussing it or learning about it. You kind of knew what you what was coming. Like you, you knew if it was going to be kind of a fun episode or a conspiracy episode or something that was just kind of haunting or something that was just scary. Um, I, I fell asleep to it the other night watching an episode where um, way back in the day somebody went at like the opening of the episode was was a scuba diver going underneath oh, and yeah. getting attacked and he came up and he had the, the black the black oil yeah oil in his eyes like swirling around and you know that was enough on its own but like I like the episode kept going they started talking to people and I didn't make it all the way through the end but I had terrible dreams that night I was sleeping terribly because that that feeling was just already inside me like I could already just I was already just uneasy so I I couldn't really escape it it was a bad idea on my part to fall asleep to that but still like it's it's there yeah, and I think I mean the the conspiracy episodes always had some like good horror shots in them. Sure, but I feel like the standalone like the standalone monster of the week stuff like yep. there's always they, those were always pretty reliable when it comes to, um, when it comes to like you know reliable you know fun fun scares, um, and especially like especially given especially when there would be an episode where like it, it's not just so much that it's scary but Mulder and Scully get scared right. Um, that's always really interesting because, like, that when when they really play that element, like when there's an episode just there's like of course like the season two episode Irresistible where like Scully gets really freaked out by the crime and you know it, it visibly affects her. Like that's that 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 ends up actually being a really powerful episode in terms of all that. Anytime Scully is unsettled, I'm unsettled. Yeah. Like anytime something gets to Scully, it's like, oh shit, <laughs> this is a big deal. <laughs> this is a this is a, this is a real threat to to both Scully and the world. So yeah. I'm deeply unsettled by those. Oh man, yeah. I mean, X Files. I feel like there's probably endless examples of them. And honestly, I it just reminds me. There's another one from the leftovers. I got to talk what? about. Um, I just, I mean, in that in that third episode of the second season, when Laurie and Tom are out trying to, you know 
do their thing. I don't want to get too spoiler. I know I already have a little bit, so I apologize for anybody who's, who's not caught up in leftovers, but shame on you. Um, when her patient, you know, after you thought she was doing okay, oh. drives up the off-ramp in oh. the wrong direction with her husband, you know, frantically trying to stop her. Oh. That feeling, I mean, that, that permeated so much longer, so much more of the season than a lot of people seem to give it credit for. Like, whenever people talk about how the second season is cheerier and more uplifting and so different than season one, I'm like, meh, I don't think you were watching the same thing I was watching. I, I actually, oh, God, I'd forgotten about that. I hadn't really forgotten about that scene. You don't really forget about that scene, but I'd kind of put it out of my memory. And, yeah, that, uh, I remember That's actually tough. very, very basically identifying it as, like, if if you are, th- this is going to, this is going to be, like, the off-ramp Pardon the term for what, isn't that the name of the episode? Yeah. God, I, off ramp. Yeah. I didn't even put that together. Yeah. It just happened magically. But it's going to be your off ramp for watching the leftovers <laughs> if, if that scene gets to you too much. Well, and by that point, maybe if you'd picked up in season two, thinking you know they can try this out, then you're absolutely right. And one of the things that's interesting for us, that was the last screener we got. We of got the, of the first three. When yeah. we got the second season, we got the first three episodes, and that was. You know, one of the last things we saw before you know, having to judge the season or having to per- put forth a review for season two um, overall. And, and, I mean, it's a big scene, and it's a heavy moment for the show, which is filled with heavy moments, but that one in particular speaks to so much about Lori's character and what happens to her throughout the rest of the year. But, uh, yeah, it's who unsettling does not begin to describe it. All right, let's 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 move on from. Yeah, the let's get let's get our leftovers. I'm sorry, I just just keeps coming to mind. I, I can't imagine why. So this is I'm just going to put this out there. Um, so, you know about you know, the Walking Dead has returned, Ugh. and I just want to share that I hadn't watched the show in a really long time. I it, like a couple. I've seen like the occasional episode, but I haven't I haven't been fully dedicated to it in a long time. Uh, but I did watch the season seven premiere. Uh, largely to be feel like I was a part of the conversation. It didn't feel good. <laughs> no. No, it didn't. It, and in general, just like, it's been really interesting watching the critical reaction, which was basically like... It was harsh. It, was, it, was, it went from harsh to vaguely tolerant. Like, there was no, like, there were no rave reviews of this episode. Um, yeah, it's never a good sign when, like, a headline is basically counterpoint or devil's advocate why The Walking Dead premiere was actually okay. Like, when that's, it's when so that, popular that it's so bad. Like, so many people believe that, that there's just one guy being like, well, it wasn't that bad, and that's going to cause a shitstorm. Yeah, but I mean, like, in general, like, fan, I've seen, there's been a, a, a pretty vocal fan reaction of, like, Oh, you guys just don't get it. The show's supposed to be really grim. This is about life and the zombie apocalypse. It's supposed to be harsh. Yep. You guys are babies. That's the way you sound. That's the way you sound, guys, when it's you true. talk like that. That's true. Um, very accurate. Very accurate. Uh, but no, I mean, that's that's the problem. It's like there's a way to tell this story properly, and then there's the way they did that finale. They, they were just teasing the audience. They were just making you wait for it. They were just making you sit in agony instead of uh, actually progressing any sort of plot or character development or anything in regards to the show. That was, I mean, that was unsettling, yeah. It, it was definitely hard to watch. But it was like, it was especially towards the end, uh, without without being spoilery, you know, 
the the final the the last Negan's last big you know potential action. Um, oh, oh, who cares? <laughs> then, like uh, Negan's last big uh, is it Negan or Negan? I think it's Negan, but Negan. I, I okay, I don't give a shit. I mean, I. <laughs> But yeah, when and Negan, Negan telling uh, telling uh, Rick uh, what to do with Carl, um, and then yeah. that was fun. That oh, was yeah. that was that was kind of me going, wait, really? Like we're gonna go this far, really? And then we're and then not even go that far. No, it's so dumb. Yeah. That was the. I mean, again, just as bad TV goes, you knew everything that was gonna happen in that episode before it, before it happened. I knew, like you knew, you just were waiting, and even in that scene. When the threat was there, and you just you're just sitting with it, and you're like, okay, I know they're not going to go there. I know they won't actually do it. I know the point of what this guy's trying to do, even though apparently Rick and everyone else can't figure it out. Um, it's so it's agonizing to sit through that. And I think I told you this Monday or you know the day after it aired, or sometime this week, was basically if anybody ever comes up to me and complains about the leftovers being depressing mm-hmm. or sad or dark, and they like The Walking Dead. They're done. Like, that opinion is rendered invalid. I don't care that, you know, again, unsettling moments from The Leftovers. I don't care that in the opening episode they shoot a dog and a baby disappears. Like, in the opening, what, ten minutes? Oh, good. We're talking about The Leftovers again. (laughs) It's, I mean, that is nothing compared to what you had to sit through in that Walking Dead premiere this year. That is, it's nothing like that. And at least it's got a point. At least it's going to stretch your mind. And it's got good characters, great story, wonderful environments. There's stuff to learn from it. You're not just sitting there and watching wretched things. You're talking about the leftovers right now. Absolutely. Always am, Liz. Always am. But sorry. I, again, just tangent. Um, yeah. You got it. You got anything else to bring up? Uh, well, I mean, sure. I mean, I still think when I think about deeply unsettling moments, sometimes it's it's because they take something that you're so used to seeing. Like, they take a comfortable image that you're used to, like, say, um, people dancing together. You watching that, you think of love. Like, you think of a a love story or a first date or something, you know, welcoming. And if that's twisted, you know, 90 degrees, that's going to really make it tough for you to engage with on the same way. Or it's going to alter your perspective in a very uncomfortable way manner. Where are you going with this? Well, in episode 9, season 2 of The Leftovers. God damn it! <laughs> when uh, we learn a little bit about what Meg is up to, uh. not only do they have a scene in which Chris and Meg dance in this honky-tonk bar in uh, southern Texas, or, well, maybe northern Texas, Texas, um, not only are they dancing like alone, close, slow dancing, holding each other, not only did they have sex earlier in the God. season, um, but they've got this song playing in the background. They've got Sturgill Simpson's The Promise, which is one of just the most heartfelt, moving, uh. emotional pieces you can imagine, and a perfect pick for you know a Texas song to be, to be playing in that bar. Um, but it's, it's not that at all. There is no real romance there. It is Meg manipulating Tom and just intentionally fucking with his emotions and watching that scene play out is deeply uncomfortable it's also something you've really got to dwell on to kind of figure out the purpose of it and the meaning behind it um but it to me that's that's another perfect example of of the leftovers being that deeply unsettling stuff because of how smart it is because of what it it knows it's doing how consciously 
it's manipulating you in the best way. Like to, it's manipulating you to to engage intellectually, emotionally on on so many different levels with the premise that you don't want to engage with, with questions you don't want to a- answer about yourself. It's incredible. Got that out of your system there? Oh uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing else you want to say about the leftovers? Uh, there's always something. You want me to? I mean, no, I could talk. No, okay. no, that's all right. No, um, uh, I don't know. My, my spirit's broken. Hannibal's also on my list. Hannibal was a good show. You guys, oh man, <laughs> what scene are you gotta pick? <laughs> I don't know. One of the scenes. One of the scenes with the murder. The one with the leg. Nothing matters anymore. Probably the one with the leg, right? Oh, the leg was bad. That was tough. That was really tough. I Deep didn't like the leg. Way. No. No. The leg made me sad. Oh, the leg was, oof. Well, everything is awful. Yeah. Then what's the next thing you're looking forward to? Or oh. the, what's the best thing you watched last week? The best thing I watched last week. Um, I have been rewatching the leftovers. No, uh, the best thing I watched last week was, um, I think they're yeah they're both Fox Sunday night shows. Um, both been on for a little bit, but definitely if you're not keeping up or for some reason haven't started watching yet, Bob's Burgers. Still, it's a tough competition for best animated show on TV with Archer and South Park and so many other options, but um, it's up there, and it's consistently good. And the Halloween episode that just aired this past Sunday is beautifully done. Tina (laughs) continues to be a character with so much depth and fun, and that character just has so many options, and they play with them beautifully. Uh, But The Last Man on Earth is also incredibly good right now. They've... Again, trying a couple of new things in season three, working out to their advantage. Uh, Forte remains a force, and the rest of the cast is really gelling nicely. Uh, Liz pointed out a great cameo early in season three that is brief but beautiful. Um, You know who. Liz is giving me a quizzical look. I'm blanking. I'll tell you afterwards. I don't want to spoil it in case people haven't seen it. All right. uh, (laughs) It's a good one. Yeah. Um, Well, I can't even reference it. But no, those are those are the best things I've seen recently, and they're kind of a good example of the shows that, you know, since there's so much new stuff coming out and, uh, you know, so much stuff that I have to review, so it's taking up my time putting it on the site and stuff that I haven't had time to really talk about. Mm-hmm. So, again, here's, the, here's me talking about them. Yes, you did well. Liz, what about you? Best thing you saw last week? Well, I continue my deep dive into Gilmore Girls. And it continues to be very, very pleasant. It, it's, um, I mean, I'm, I'm apparently about to hit some rough patches. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm in season four now. It's kind, of, it's kind of fun binging a show that everyone has seen and has, has been familiar with for years. Because it's kind of like, you know, pointing out, this, it's kind of like, you know, you're you know, cruising down the river and you have a very, you have, a, you have a map in front of you. And so you can't, you're exploring on your own. But you do know that there's guideposts along the way. So... You know, I, I really liked uh, Adam Brody's uh, presence in season three. I thought he was great. Um, I team. I, I'm a big fan of that character. Um, I'm really Lane in general. I think is becoming a favorite of mine. And uh, yeah, I think I, I'm starting to ease into it. It's a show that feels that's that's very easy to retreat into it. Even though I'm not, even though I'm only halfway through essentially the series. Um, like I did watch the uh, Netflix trailer that aired, and that got to me, and I'm like, 
I'm not even really like in it in it yet, and I can't really claim super fan status because I'm still I'm still not done. <laughs> but even the, but that trailer got to me. It affected me. Mm-hmm. Did the posters? What? Did the terrible terrible posters? No, affect the you posters too? do nothing. God, they're so bad. Why are. is she holding things the way she's holding things? <laughs> Rory just, doesn't know how to hold Rory things. Rory is very confused by this. And then the, uh, Luke just sitting on the table with a pot of coffee on the a table. A decaf cup yeah, of pot of decaf, coffee. Yeah, the decaf. I mean, I'm not as bothered by the fact that it's decaf as some people, but just the the positioning of him, it doesn't... It's so that, that is not, not how humans should no. humans sit. No. he. I, I can only imagine... They told him to go sit on the table holding a pot of coffee and then slowly manipulated him over the course of like two hours into this just impossible, uncomfortable segment. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, is that was that the best thing? That's my best thing. That's your best thing? That's my best thing. Okay. I mean, I, I, there, is, there is something else I would mention except I'm under embargo on it. But I'm, ma- I'm making a note of this now. It might rhyme with the word region is all I'm going to oh, say. Oh, God. All right. Whatever. Hush, hush your poor mouth. <laughs> What's the next thing you're looking forward to? Uh, the Crown, Liz. Oh, okay. Uh, Netflix again, just making it rain, just spending all that money. Yeah. Dropping it on me. The Crown is allegedly more expensive than uh, than the Get Down, correct? Yeah, that's what I keep hearing. Though they also have adjusted how much the Get Down cost. There's recent higher estimates than were initially reported. So, but also the Crown is a co-production. Yes. So they aren't totally bearing the brunt of it. Yeah, I think the get down will ultimately prove far more costly. And well, I don't know about beneficial. We don't have the numbers. I've only heard rumors, but uh, but no, I'm I'm very interested in in this period piece. Um, great cast involved with it. Every trailer they've released has been thoroughly engaging. A um, couple early reviews seem fairly positive. If they say it's a little bit sprawling, but uh, but no, I, I I can't wait to to binge this one. Um, I think that might be the last, I mean, other than Gilmore Girls, I guess, but the last big Netflix series of the year. I feel like there are a couple, like, we, we heard there's 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 at least one, there's a sci-fi thing happening in December, but it's not, like, a huge marquee thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I think that might be one of the last big releases. You're right. Yeah, and there's plenty, obviously, coming in 2017, yeah. and they're continuing to spend obnoxiously large amounts of money uh, on original programming. But, but uh, I think it's honestly, I think it's Amazon that's having the bigger like November, December. Oh, Amazon's been killing it. Yeah, but Amazon's going to have. Uh, there's we're getting Good Girls Revolt mm-hmm. um, as of this week, which I'll just save us the time. That's my next thing I'm looking forward to. Figured. I'm picking up the review for that. So uh, by the time you listen to this, I will have seen it all. But right now, at this moment in time, that is what I'm looking forward to. Um, and Good Girls of Rolled is uh, at the end of October. Then we've got uh, Man in the High Castle, allegedly, is November, I think. And mm-hmm. then Mozart in the Jungle in December. And mm-hmm. so those are big shows that yeah. would be fun to check out. Did you say Red Oaks? No, somehow I didn't mention Red Oaks. Red Oaks. Easily the best of the lot. Coming back. It is certainly at the top of the list of shows that we always forget to mention. That I don't forget to mention it. You are the one person. You are the one person who talks about Red Oaks. I know. I'm trying to be loud about it. It yeah. needs it, deserves it. It's yeah. great. Yeah. But solid solid, solid choice, Ben. With the crown. Right. Oh, that's, that's well, I just, we did yours. Good yeah. pick. Uh, yeah, yeah, I was circling by one. It's the new Mad Men, apparently. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. I don't know. That's what, I, that's what I've read. I'm just I'm just looking forward to avenging um, a friend of mine, my, my friend Frank, uh, 
who, who I believe listens to this podcast from time to time. Uh, but Frank, my friend Frank pointed out a grave injustice, which is that I, one of the gummers, I forget which gummer is in Good Girls Revolt. It's either Mammy or, it's either Mammy or Grace. I think it's Grace. Okay. If it's great, it's, if, let's go with Grace. Um, but Grace Gummer plays Nora Ephron in, in the show. And this is notable because Meryl Streep, Grace and or Ma- Grace and Mamrie's mother, um, played a Nora Ephron surrogate in the film Heartburn. And the fact that no- so at some point they should have had a conversation about having to play about what it's like to play Nora Ephron. And nobody is apparently mentioning this in interviews or reviews. And it is a travesty. And I'm fixing it for Frank. It's going to be in my review. I promise. <laughs> Well, I'm, I think everyone will be very happy to have that connection. Yes. Uh, you should probably tweet it out as well. I feel like that's probably the best way to get the word out and, and let it spread. Uh, but, yeah, I did confirm it's Grace. Great. Thank you. So. Grace Gummer, who was also very good on uh, Mr. Robot this season. Oh, she was terrific in the newsroom. You're right. Ben. Ben. I swear to God, Ben. <laughs> okay. What? Well, we should we should wrap things up. Uh, you can go to IndieWire.com for news, reviews, interviews, features, all the stuff you like about uh, about your favorite television shows. And if you like us talking about TV, then you'll love hearing Eric Cohen and Ann Thompson talk about film on it's screen. It's exactly talk. the same thing. It's it's very similar. Uh, most people say that Eric and I are twins in every regard, including our opinions. Uh, Liz and Ann, uh, identical twins, even. Um, So, yeah, you'll love listening to Screen Talk every Friday. And make sure that you turn it on. And by it, I mean turn it on. Turn on. Turn it on. The podcast with our own Michael Schneider. Um, Comes out every Thursday? Thursday. Thursday on IndieWire. You can subscribe via iTunes, via... Stitcher. Stitcher. Other stuff. SoundCloud. I don't know. SoundCloud. Lots of stuff. Yeah. Uh, But, yeah. Make sure you listen to all of IndieWire's wonderful podcasts, yes. including the Filmmakers Toolkit podcast. Yes, which new, I po- keep, new podcast. I, I'm not going to be able to do all of these every week. It's getting tough. I might have to trim it, but I'm... I'm You're doing your best. They're there, so just don't forget about them. And we should check to see which one of them which one of them mentioned us. None of them. None of them. We're, we're, we're team players, though. Damn right. Um, anyways, you can find Ben on Twitter at Ben T. Travers. You can find Liz on Twitter at Lizlet. That's with an I and an E. That's correct. We will be back next week. And in the meantime, Liz, you guys. Wait, hold on. There's one more thing from The Leftovers no. that I wanted to talk no. about. No! But it's like, it's a really good oh one. Oh my God, that's it! <laughs> no! Sit. What are you doing? Sit. <laughs> that's better. In the meantime, you guys. Keep watching television.